And if you're a visitor this morning, uh, thank you, that's awesome. We'd love to uh, have a record of your visit, but we'd also like to uh, give you a little gift. And it's uh, a bracelet. If you would see the lovely Angie Renault afterwards um, at the coffee table, uh, she has a, a bracelet f that we have had made by our, our guys in Africa. By the way, that's the haircut, if you're wondering. It's one less thing that I got to shampoo uh, over there, because basically the shower that I'm going to have for a week is a bucket with a ladle. So I've, we had to get this shaved off. Um, I'm going to be sleeping on the ground for a, a week. But, um, but the guys uh, over there that, uh, and the girls that we're working with helping them go through school, we've made a little deal with them that if they would make these bracelets for us, that if you would visit, uh, one day gives them one week in school. So if you would see Angie uh, and she'll give you this bracelet, we'll make a note of that. And then from Conduit Mission, we will make a $10 donation, which isn't that amazing? It's only 10 bucks to send them to school, feed them, and room them for a week. And school meaning, so you get them through the, the general education system, which we're doing, but that's great. So now you can read and write, but if you can't get a job, you're, you know, you're still in trouble. So we've been training them. There's a Calvary Chapel uh, training school, like a technical school in Lome, Africa, in Togo. And um, so we're sending them there. So it's a pretty awesome uh, partnership that we have. And just, you give us one day here, we give them one week there. And all you gotta do is, is, is see Angie and she'll get you the bracelet and, uh, and we'll send them to school for a week. So thanks so much. Acts chapter 19. We're gonna hit the ground running this morning. Verse 11. Last week we talked apparently a little too much about sweat. I'm sorry. I would like to apologize formally and publicly. Um, talking too much about sweat. <laughs> if you weren't here, you can hear the uh, the message. But it was you know Paul's sweat towels. So, uh, but now we move on into the, the next part, which is verse 13. It says that some Jews, and in the King James, if you've got one, that actually calls them vagabond Jews who went around driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And seven sons of Sceva, which by the way would make a great band name if you're wondering. The, wor the world, is there one? Oh, doggone it. See, the world is running out of oil and good band names. There's two natural resource shortages going on. And <laughs> says, I command you to come out. The seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish thief, pre, uh, chief priest, and a band were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Bad news. And when this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. And many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. And a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. And in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Father, we are encountering your word today, which means we're encountering you. And it's our desire that your word would be a light to our path, a lamp for us to see as we're moving through this world. 
And that today that it isn't just the words that I'm going to speak, Father, but the words that you speak to us personally and individually. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a story that is here in town that Jeremy might could correct some details for me because it's a true story of a guy that was uh, selling electronics at a local electronics store. And if you've worked at an electronics store, you know that one of the things that you're supposed to sell are the extended warranties. I worked at Circuit City in the 90s. I had a great little blazer. I looked like a church usher at a mega church because I had the blazer and the name tag. I just needed one of those little earpieces and I'd have been in. But, but we had to sell them and they actually called them, kid you not, goop. Did you get some goop on that when you sold a computer? That's what the managers called them. So in this electronics store, this guy was selling the extended warranties and his sales technique was to say that because uh, you could look in the system and see whoever bought whatever, you know, and see that Dave Ramsey had bought an extended warranty. Th this name, Dave Ramsey, in the system. And so that was part of his technique. Well, Dave Ramsey does it. It's a, you know, he's, he endorses them. He obviously bought one himself. And this, I, I don't know how well it worked. I know that it came to a screeching halt one day as he was selling this to a man and just getting ready to close the deal and says that, yeah, you know, Dave Ramsey does this. He's, you know, he, he bought him and, and the guy popped down, I guess his driver's license or some approved identification that this was actually Dave Ramsey that he was speaking to and trying to sell this extended warranty to. Uh, awkward, because <laughs> Dave Ramsey does not endorse <laughs> these. And uh, he, uh, as I believe the story went, beat them until they were bleeding and naked and ran out, no, I was kidding. Uh, he did not do that. Although I do believe that part of the story was his wife had to come back in and apologize maybe for his behavior. Um, he, was, he was not pleased <laughs> with him. And he wasn't pleased with him because he was taking his name and using it for his own deal. Saying, hey, this guy endorses this and I'm taking Dave's name. Not just a name like the nomenclature Dave Ramsey because clearly a guy named Dave Ramsey had bought an extended warranty. Uh, but the actual, the essence of Dave Ramsey, the financial guy saying that if you do this, you know, Dave did this, so you should do this, taking his name in vain. Over the years, there have been all kinds of these celebrity endorsements, and that's, by the way, what they do. When, they, when you see Paris Hilton and her Blackberry or whatever, they're, they're trying to get us to buy the things because these cool, I'm not sure that was an example of a cool person, but to, when you see somebody <laughs> that's doing, that's awesome, that's doing something, then you want them to do it and you get them to you know sign off on your product and there's usually money that exchanges hands and and, and there have been some amazing and some great success stories of that over the years the George Foreman grill I mean who doesn't have one of those right who didn't buy it at a garage sale but the um the you know the baby George you know the George Foreman grill there, there were these great experiences of taking their name and using it for gain and for success now there were those that would actually that were uh, epic fails in my mind that were actually technically used in vain when and when you say the name vain like I, if you went out to uh like somebody this morning was looking for their keys and if they wouldn't have found them they searched in vain but thankfully they found their keys and we were able to uh to, to, to open the church um but if you know i've searched in vain for things in my house right so epic fail epic vain like in 1986 when james garner was paid $10 million to speak on behalf of the beef industry. None of you are hardly old enough to remember this. But it went great until James had to have heart surgery because he had a heart attack. 
And then they signed up Sybil Shepherd, okay, who in, in those days was awesome because she was on Moonlighting and, and it was going great. Another $10 million from the American cattleman to, to speak on behalf of beef until she was publicly quoted that she was a vegetarian and didn't eat meat. Um, <laughs> epic fail. But I think that the probably crowning moment of a failure of a celebrity endorsement, you'd have to reach probably all the way back to 1961 for this little gem. I would call that an endorsement fail. Barney and Fred Pound and Winston's you know, out in the backyard. But I, 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 then I realized, I thought that was the most epic fail. But then I remembered there was one more celebrity endorsement that uh, probably would, it's not maybe as famous or not as many hits on YouTube, but I think this one probably fails on, on the grandest level. It, it, it was before I was a pastor, in fairness, but also we didn't sell any more gold bond. I didn't get the job. We were sitting at this airport, and I mean, and I, seriously, like it was a box with a, and the, the radio had a, a, a car battery with a CB wired to it, uh, and that was where we flew into. And so we were sitting there for what turned out to be eight hours while we're waiting for our plane to come, and moments thinking, uh, he may not come. Like, we may have to find another ride, which, you know, so all that is, I had way too much spare time on my hands, and I was <laughs> delirious. <laughs> so, um, 
taking your name and attaching it to a product or a service is what we would call a, a celebrity endorsement. And what I think is happening here in Acts 19, remember we were there a minute ago, um, is these seven sons of Sceva, these Jewish vagabonds, were, it actually says in the King James name, it says in NIV that they invoked, but here it says that they, in King James it says they took his name. And it's the same Greek word when to take something into their hands. It, would, it was used in Luke uh, chapter 1 and Matthew. It's over, when Luke would use it, it was about taking something into his hand. And so what these guys were doing wasn't just trying to get a paycheck or trying to a neat parlor trick like David Blaine style. They were actually taking God's name, the name of Jesus, for their own agenda in, in doing so Exodus 27, violating the third commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, I grew up in an environment, and maybe you did too, maybe you're still there, where it was taking God's name in vain meant when you hit your thumb with a hammer, don't use that word, right? Or you stub your toe or, you know. And so, and, and let me say this, it's actually a piece of it, it's a part of it. That's, but it's a tiny part. It's like that old uh, metaphor of the elephant. You could look at the elephant tail and say that's an elephant, but it's just a tiny part of it. So I don't want to diminish it, and I don't want to suggest that you now have freedom to say whatever you want when you hit your thumb with the hammer. But I'm saying that that's all you're focused on. You're focused on this minute and tiny part of it. Because there's a bigger picture. In Exodus 20, when he lists off these 10 commandments, he would say don't murder don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery. And he would package in that with those 10. And understand the 10 commandments were not given in like an ascending order or in an order of importance. They were 10 equal links in one chain. So one of them is broken, the whole chain is broken. And he would actually go on and say in Exodus 27, he would clarify, you don't have to turn there, but he would clarify and say, almost like he knew that, hey, you're going to get this wrong someday, and, and so you're going to think this is a gimme, like I haven't committed adultery, I haven't murdered, I didn't steal that much. But he would say, okay, but I'm going to make sure you understand, this is a big one too. Because he would go on to say and clarify and say, I will not hold you guiltless who do this. The others, don't murder, don't commit adultery. Don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. I will not hold those guilty. He amplifies and clarifies so that we understand that this is kind of a big deal. And it's a big deal, way bigger than, can I say, gosh, does that count? You know, oh gosh, oh, you took the name of the Lord in vain. Hey, heads up, by the way, God isn't his name, it's his title. So you're taking the title of the Lord in vain, but that's a whole other conversation. The, the conversation is, what is it really? What, what if it were not so much about nomenclature as it is about being an ambassador? About carrying his name with us into the world that we are called to be. When our ambassador is speaking in, whether it's Afghanistan or in Uruguay, he is speaking on behalf of the president. He is saying what he says is as if the president has said it. And so when we are believers, it's important for us to understand that if we get call caught up in just the simplicity of it being about saying gosh or GD, that it's, we're just, we're focused on this minute piece of this whole big picture. 
And he would say it's a big deal. And I, you think about it, Satan, uh, this is, it's been his plan all along. He's not that powerful. I mean, at the end of time, when he's thrown into the lake of fire, Jesus is going to say, he's just going to call an angel over, it records in Revelation, and tie him up and throw him into the pit. Jesus doesn't even have to do it himself. His power isn't in his you know, thundering voice or authority, but it's in his ability to lie. It's in his ability to get us caught up in our own systems in this little lie. And then we are so good because we spend the last, you know, our entire lives trying to be the, the language police and missing this whole big picture of what it really was. Again, not signing off on you say what you want to, but I'm saying let's expand and let's go back and get a look at the whole elephant the whole of taking the name of the Lord in vain. Because obviously what we saw here is these guys saying, I have this idea, this neat parlor trick. We could probably make a living at it, make some money at it. We'll go out and cast demons out. There's no record of them ever uh, coming to the Lord. In fact, there's a record. It seems to infer that they came to the Lord after this. But they were taking his name and using it for their own benefit. They were taking his name in vain. And in our society, I mean, you can think of some obvious Choices. I mean, I worked in the Christian music industry for a long time, and you've heard the stories of, and by the way, these are not nearly as bad as you hear, but I've heard them before, the, the Jesus per minute count, where you've got to have enough Jesuses in your song so that the radio guys will play it. And, and there's an argument that could be made that that is taking the name of the Lord in vain, right? And I'm happy to say that I feel like the people that I've worked with over the years, that we never directly did that. You would have to admit that there's an unwritten feeling of like, I feel like I need to do it, but I feel like we all wrestled with it well. But you might be thinking, hey, that's great, Darren. I'm not an artist, so I don't have any songs with Jesus in them. I'm not going on the road casting out demons on the David Blaine tour. I'm good. I'm not taking the name of the Lord in vain. And I wanted to point out to you that I think that there are three ways that we, just like the sons of Sceva, in our everyday life, can take his name in vain. And I think just honestly, in our daily walk alone, I don't know if you know who Matthew Henry is, uh, a theologian in his commentary, he, I'll just use his words, he said it better than I could. He says, we take God's name in vain by hypocrisy, making a profession of God's name, but not living up to that profession. Those that name the name of Christ, but do not depart from iniquity as the name bids them to do, name it in vain. When I got married to Shannon, that was awesome. I need to, someone WD-40 the chair when we get out here, Joe. <laughs> but she was Shannon Anderson for the first 22 years of your life-ish. But from that day forward, she was Shannon Tyler. She took my name. The Departies are here this morning and married for three weeks? Two months. It's my age. But you might remember, in those early days, maybe you haven't had a problem with this, but oftentimes when you're just married, you sign a check and you sign your name, Allison Newell, as opposed to, you just, you just have to get used to that. Because you're different now, you've changed, you've taken on his name, and in doing so, not just a remembering to sign your check or to sign your name, but you're actually different. You're not dating other dudes, right? <laughs> because it's different now. 
you're not living the way you used to do. And Jesus would say to you and I that we are his bride. And that we do take his name. The name Christian, Christians, is we're taking his name. Didn't you know there's two T's in Christ? Christian? Christ, his name, is ours. And so when we do that and decide that we can just live however we want, and all we did was change our name, it's taking it in vain. It's taking it in a, in a failure, in a moment of saying that I, I am living however I want to, Jesus on Sundays, I'm a Christian, but I'm living the same way that I did the day before. It's taking his name in vain. I think we do it in life. I think we do it in love. I think we do it in relationship with each other in our own churches. I had a conversation with a pastor this week who was a little down, and he was saying that he had some folks in his church he had just planted here in town and saying that, yeah, these folks that were supposed to, they, they were so excited and so into it, and they're sort of falling away. And, and he said, I talked to one of them this week, and he said, you know, I haven't been coming because I kind of like this idea of where I can just go drop off my kids, I can go sit in the back someplace, and then go get my kids and go home. I, I kind of like church that way. And I would say that that is not the way that, A, that Christ has wired us, B, it's not the way that the church was wired to be together. It's taking his name as a label on your door, the hello my name is, Christian, Darren Christian, but the rest of my life in my relationships with each other in, in the church, that's not the way that he called to live out our lives. To live out our lives in relationship with each other in, in our environment right now, it's in our villages. It's, it's, it's existing in community together. There are other things that are going on when the ladies are getting together at Panera. Um, there's a Bible study on Tuesday night uh, where some men are getting together. If, if God is inspiring you to, to, to want to to connect on that level, to take his name and what he died for, our community, to be brothers and sisters, he would call us. To do that in community. I, I encourage you to, to find us and to tell us what it is because we're not looking to tell you how to do it. If, if you're a fishing guy, you want to go do that. If you're a sewing girl, you want to go do that. Or if you're a gun shooting girl, for that matter, I don't care. Whatever it is that God is, just let us know. Let's maybe help some folks to get community that way with us. But finding community together because otherwise we're just taking his name, but we're not taking it. We're, we're saying, I want to be a cousin or a distant relative where I can show up on Thanksgiving, but I'm not looking to be in the family. And I'm saying that Jesus died for way more than that. In loving each other, we can take his name in vain by just disconnecting with each other. There's not just that, but also in legalism. And you might think, Darren, but you just said we shouldn't sin. Understand what legalism is. When I say in our lives and turning on iniquity, Paul would say specifically, would talk about sins in Colossians of anger and greed and sexual immorality and say to turn your back on those. In fact, one section of those sins, he would actually say to kill, to murder, to kill them, to cut off their life source. Legalism isn't that. If you want a quick Bible lesson, legalism isn't, because you might hear this, oh, they don't drink over at that church, they're legalists, or, you know, or they, you know these guys... Uh, well, you know, there's, there's this definition for legalism where, you know, there are certain bands on the road where they don't uh, watch specific kinds of movies. And you might say, well, that's legalism. And why are they so legalistic under the law? But I would challenge you and say that that is the Bible. It's saying whatever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things have a good report. Does it go through that filter? Should I take that into my soul, into my spirit? That's not legalism. Here's what legalism is. In Genesis, when the serpent would come to Eve and say... 
uh, to, you know, to tempt her to eat this fruit. She said to him, oh, no, no, God told me that we shouldn't eat it. We shouldn't even touch it, else we'll die. But that's not what he said. What he said was, don't eat it. She added, don't touch it. And that introduced legalism into our church, into our world, into our lives, when it was adding something that God didn't originally say, adding it to it. He gave us plenty to be busy with. We don't need to add a bunch of new stuff. I went to a Bible college where I had to have my hair cut above my ears, where I couldn't wear earrings. I had to wear a suit and tie every day. And we'd walk by a picture of Jesus with long hair and no suit and tie and no sense of irony. I'm thinking, <laughs> he just didn't say that. And so we've attached these things that are, again, I, I believe it's the enemy saying, hey, get, get them real busy with how they're dressing. I get them real busy with the kind of building that they're in. Get them real busy with the length of their hair, which incidentally, you could in the 80s grow your hair or late, early 90s to here, and it's still above your collar. Just FYI. Um, it doesn't mean it would look good, but it certainly was my attempt at rebellion. Um, <laughs> legalism was that. And what I'm saying is that when we take his name and say that we're Christians, that we are followers of Christ, and we're attaching all these extracurricular things that he didn't say and say it as if he did say it, it's taking his name in vain. Taking it into this empty, this hollow thing, and saying that this is what Jesus is, and Jesus is endorsing this, Dave Ramsey endorses this, so we're going to do this because this is what Jesus is. And so no wonder people get confused when they see us as that. Instead of seeing us as, again, he gave us plenty to do. Because in the same way that we ought not to take his name in vain, we should take it in gain. We should give him the God endorsement, if you will, do the things that he is doing and, and, and let him get the glory, get the credit for it. When we are serving each other in our small groups, in our church, when we, there's some of us that are gonna go help the Juilliards move this, this afternoon. When you guys are working as trailer mules. Man, when you're out there, there's about 10 adults, I think, running around with our students today in, in the final weeks of the great, you know, the amazing race with the kids. They are taking his name and, and making it great because this is the stuff that Jesus said to do. So don't suffer the little children to come away from me. Bring them to me. If you want to find something that takes God's name and uses it for his thing, man, kids' ministry. Jesus himself it was, a, was the best children's minister ever. Bring them to me. Tell them stories. Give them little fish candy or whatever kind of candy they had. When we take his name and do his stuff with it, Man, life is grand and it's great. He would say that we could give a cup of, just a cup of water to a prophet in his name and that he would bless us as if we were the prophet himself. Doing it in his name, in his nature. We can ask anything in his name. And interestingly enough, by the way, we get a little bit confused because we sometimes think as long as I tag my prayer in Jesus' name, amen, that I've, I've done it, that that's what he was talking about. Again, it's not nomenclature. It's not just because his name is spelled J-E-S-U-S. Go to any Latin country, you can pray in Jesus' name all day long, and it's the wrong guy. It's not just the name Jesus 
spelled out. It's him, it's his nature, it's who he is. And so when, sometimes when we pray in Jesus' name and we didn't get what we prayed for, it's oftentimes because it wasn't in his nature. It wasn't what he was wanting to do. We were asking for it in vain because it wasn't in his name and his nature. You can say Dave Ramsey is gonna buy an extended warranty all day long, but that's not true. It's not in his nature. You can listen to his show and know that. You can ask things for Jesus in Jesus' name, but if they're not in his nature, Sometimes it's not his nature that you need to get blessed financially right now because he needs you to be patient. He needs you to learn some things. So even though it was in his name and you tagged it and you didn't get it, maybe it's because his nature says that it's, you need to wait for a minute. This season is for you to lean on me. Using his nature for your prayers is how we get prayers done. He would say in Matthew 6 to pray to him that holy is your name. Holy is complete. Oftentimes, I live in a house with four kids, and there might be a, a, a loaf of bread or a pizza or whatever, and, and there's a bite gone or a corner missing from it. It is not complete anymore. It is not a whole pizza or not a whole loaf of bread or not the whole uh, drink that I left on the counter because Ethan has come and slammed half of it. Okay? God's name is whole. It's complete, and it's full of whatever we need. Not his name, not the nomenclature. Him, his deal. And here's the thing, here's why this is important to us. When we don't, if you go back with me to the book of Acts, remember we started there. I, I wanna show you exactly why this is important because there are consequences of using his name in vain. Understand this, actually hold your finger there and go with me to Jeremiah 2 because I wanna teach you something really quick about grace. Because you know, you might be thinking, well Darren, this is under, I'm under grace and I'm forgiven and and it's, sometimes it gets confusing. Well, if he did away with the law, why do I have to do, worry about the law? And I guess my question would be, which one didn't you like? Was it the murdering? Because is that what you wanted to be able to do that you can't do now? I mean, what, what part of the law are you looking to do away with? Adultery? Was it stealing, lying, cheating? I mean, which one did you want to do away? I mean, you know what I'm saying? So think through that for a minute. When I'm doing away with the law, Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with it. I came to fulfill it. And what he was doing for us was offering us forgiveness, because he knew that we couldn't do it, that we, I mean, I'm, I'm out by number three, right? Taking the name of the Lord in vain. I'm done. Boop, tag out. But so he gives us grace and he gives us forgiveness. So why do we have to worry about it at all? Paul would use in, in the terms of, in Galatians, he would talk about it as sowing seeds after the flesh, that you would reap destruction. But Jeremiah, and if you don't have this underlined, I would encourage you to read it and then maybe go back and, and meditate on it. And understand this is what it is. This is why it's important that even though I'm forgiven, that even day I, I will stand before Christ and my sins will have been cleaned and I'll be righteous and he'll say, well done. And I get, That's all great, but there are consequences this side that have nothing to do with God playing a game of whack-a-mole with me. He says this in verse 19. He says, your wickedness, talking to Israel, your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. I believe the King James actually says that it will hunt you down. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you to forsake the Lord your God and have no awe of me, declares the Lord God Almighty. When I am in sin, when I take his name in vain, there are consequences that happen on this side of heaven. And that's why God hates sin so much. It's not because he's some cosmic buzzkill. He just knows that there are consequences that it isn't how we were created to function, that it breaks us up, it eats us up inside. 
if it's having sex before you're married, when you are, whether I don't care if you're a teenager or you're a grown-up, it's a sin. And the reason it's a sin is because you are connecting your soul to someone else. I can always tell when I'm talking to a young man, especially, who just broke up with his girlfriend, if he has had sex with her because his, I mean, he is a mess. He's a basket case. And he's a basket case because his soul connected with someone forever. And Jesus says, just don't do that. I, I, it's not I'm trying to be a buzzkill. Just don't do that because this is what's going to happen. There are consequences spiritually, socially, physically. Don't do it. And what Jeremiah was saying here is that your sins have consequences. And this sin is no different. God can forgive us and he does. Absolutely. But there are consequences this side of heaven. And I think that they're very clear back in Acts chapter 19 as to what the consequences of taking the name of the Lord in vain are for us. And as soon as I get back there. It says that some Jews went around the city driving out evil spirits. And I'm going to do these real quickly because I know it's getting late. Vagabond Jews. Wandering Jews. When we take his name in vain, when that is our lifestyle, especially as a Christian, I'm taking his name for my agenda, and I'm always working an angle based upon his name and my lifestyle. If that's all it is, is a name that's attached to the deal that I wanted to happen. I'm trying to get God to endorse my way of going to church, my way of loving my neighbor, my way of loving my wife. Man, it sends you into a, a, a wandering state because you're disconnected. From, from the mothership. You're disconnected not only from Christ, but from each other, and it turns you into a wanderer. And it goes on to say that some Jews who went around in verse 13, driving out evil spirits to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over them. And they would say in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, were doing this, and one day the evil spirit answered them and says, Jesus I know, I know about Paul, but who are you? Taking his name in vain, saying this, I'm going to make, this is my life and I'm going to have God sign off on it and endorse it, as opposed to saying this is God's life and I'm going to do his way, it makes me completely ineffective against the enemy, against hell, against the, the, the spiritual warfare that we're called into. Because, like I said, Satan is not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. He doesn't know most of our names. And this evil spirit, some low-lying guy in the community, didn't even know these guys. I, you know, Satan's big enough. I mean, when you picture this, he's probably got a lot going on in Afghanistan right now, and in Iraq. I'm okay with him maybe not knowing my name. But let me tell you what, if there are principalities and powers and spiritual rulers in this community, I want them not only to know the name of Darren Tyler, I want them to know the name of every one of us in Conduit Church. Because we are a threat to them. And the way that we're a threat to the enemy is not by just slapping Jesus on our business card, by putting a bumper sticker on our car, but by taking his name for gain, by using it, saying this is the life that the Lord has called me to be, to do, and letting his name be represented in that. It's, go with me real quickly. It's about him knowing who we are are the enemy in our town. And I'm telling you, there are, you know, the enemy here is complacency. The enemy here is comfort. It's, ah, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be involved. I just want to go plug my kids in and go and just sit in the back row and leave. 
I believe that's a spiritual authority in our community. And I want them to know who we are, and I want them to be uncomfortable when they see us coming. But look at this. It says, when this became known, those are some of the, 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 the downfalls of it. You're alone, you're, you're vagabond, you're wandering. The enemy doesn't know who you are. And one more that I think is, is worth noting. He gave them such a beating that day that he ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Gang, when we are living our lives as Christians, stamping Jesus' name on our deal, I did it for a long time, and I want you to know it is an unfulfilled way to live. You feel uh, alone, you feel naked and beat down and separated. No wonder the enemy would want us to do that. No wonder, hey, take his name in vain. It's just no big deal. But when we're doing it and stamping his name on our deal, it just, it begins to isolate us. It begins to put us in a position where we're just beat down, alone, bruised. And I'm telling you, you don't have to live that way. In a church like this, one of the biggest questions is, how do I connect? And I don't know how else to tell you, but to say, connect. You connect by connecting. Dive into this. Don't wait for someone to come to you. Take his name, Jesus, on you. And, and just reach out to people around you and begin to connect in. And those of us that have maybe been around a little longer in, in our little community, take his name on you and reach out to somebody maybe you don't know who's wandered in here on a Sunday morning, on, at Starbucks on Monday morning, at your work on Tuesday morning. Take his name and invest. Don't let the enemy beat us back. Put us in a position where, because all it was was I just stamped my name on a card, then I'm just beat down and alone and bleeding. Just I don't know, maybe you don't feel this way, but I felt that way going to church for so long. I mean, we sat on the front row. We raised our hands when the song said to. We stand and lift up. We would do that, you know. But it wasn't a great, fulfilled life more abundantly that Jesus promised. Because I was taking his name and saying, I'm going to do this in your name, but I'm doing what I want to do in your name. Not what you want me to do in your name. Do not take the name of the Lord in vain. There are consequences not only to those around us as we might represent his name poorly, like Fred Flintstone pounding Winston's. I was saying, well, this is just how God does it. We, we give God a bad name by doing that. But it also just hurts us individually. And, and I want to encourage you as our worship band is coming, because you might feel, man, I feel a little beat down right now, Darren. I haven't said a bad word when I hit my thumb with the hammer, but I feel like I'm taking his name in vain by the very life that I'm living, and I've got great news for you. Because Revelation, Jesus tells us in chapter two that at some point, he is going to take your name and give you a new one, and I'm really glad about that for me. Because my name, in some circles, means not good stuff. You could go to Starbucks and find probably 10 people that think I'm a genius and 10 people that think I'm an idiot. My name isn't perfect. It's muddied in some places. And I'm so grateful that he's going to take my name and it says he's going to write it on a white stone to say basically it's a starting over again. He's given me a new name. And he's got grace and mercy for us. He ain't mad at you. But to say that there aren't consequences for it would be not fair to you. Not fair to me to not tell you the truth. That just like there are consequences for murdering, just like there are consequences for stealing, there are consequences when we take his name in vain. 
the seven sons of Sceva had it, man. They were wandering around. They were beaten down. They were alone and they were naked and they were ashamed. I was reminded this morning, though, of a story in John 8 when a woman would come to Jesus. She didn't come voluntarily. She was brought there. She was brought there because she was caught in the act of adultery. And they wanted her dead. And they would say to Jesus, but the law says we were supposed to stone her. They didn't want the law. If they wanted the law, they would have brought both of them, the man and the woman, but they didn't. They were just trying to catch Jesus. But it says there that he stood there that day, and this is the only sermon that Jesus ever wrote, that he wrote on the ground. There's no indication of what it was he wrote. He didn't say. All it said was that one by one, they all started to, to leave. I wonder if it was that they wrote, he wrote their name, individual, and the sin that they were caught in, each one of them. And as they saw their name going, ooh, I'm cool, I'm out. Until it was just Jesus and it was just this woman caught in adultery. And he said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, I don't, they're, not, they're gone, Lord. And he said, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. And it struck me that she was standing there naked and maybe for the first time in her life, unashamed. Just like Eve in the garden, she was naked and unashamed and this woman found that in her life, that Jesus had that kind of grace and that kind of mercy to say that I don't accuse you either, go and sin no more. And to us this morning, he might write our names in the sand but he died and he rose again to take the punishment to pay the debt for our sin. And I believe that he would write next to our name in the sand, forgiven. Darren Tyler, righteous, forgiven. That's pretty, pretty okay with me. And I would ask us to all search our hearts this morning and how we could be each of us individually taking his name in vain and repenting of it. Not because he's mad, but because it's how he wired us to be, to take his name, not in vain, but to take it for great gain and glory. What did it say that once they had realized what had happened, the Greeks gave great praise. That the, the seven sons of Sceva took Jesus' name and drug it down, but after they received Jesus, they lifted his name up. What a great picture that is for us as we begin to crucify those parts of us that would take his name in vain, it allows us to then lift his name up because we're not dragging it down into the mud anymore. What a great picture for us of his love and his forgiveness. And I'm saying it today, even though it's uncomfortable and it hurts sometimes to hear the truth, but to say that as a church, if we can take his name, not in vain, but take it for gain, the essence of Jesus, what could we do in our community? What could we do in our families, with our kids? with our coworkers, with the world around us, to lift up the name, the essence, and the nature of Jesus instead of dragging it down to our level, to our deal, to my little plans. Just a question, something to think about, something to pray about. We're gonna worship for a couple minutes, but I wanna pray for you. And as I'm praying, as we're worshiping, take a moment participate in communion. What a great chance to lift up the name of Christ and not pull it down.
to leave your sins behind there, to leave our sins and their consequences behind. Lord, we ask you to forgive us. Forgive me, Lord, for those areas where I take your name for my agenda and I take it in failure and in vain. Lord, give us wisdom, give me wisdom, give each, every individual wisdom on those places where we're doing that, crucify it, that we could stop dragging your name down and instead lift it up that it might be glorified. Knowing that we do look forward to a day when you will look every one of us in the eye and give us each that new name, that new identity, that new nature that you have created us to be. And today we can stand before you forgiven. Today we can stand before you exposed and unashamed. In Jesus' name, amen.